0: I give thanks to you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways for the glory of the Lord is very great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me.
1: This is the word of the Lord. And a beautiful lady reading it too. Would you please pray with me quickly as I, um, as I pray for our time in the word. Father, what we have already received and for what we are about to receive in your word. May we be truly thankful. And may it do its conforming work in our lives. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Grab your Bibles. Find that passage that my beautiful bride um, read for us. It's Psalm 138. And while you're looking for that passage in your Bible and getting settled in, I'm going to ask our first question is, are people more thankful than they used to be? Are people more thankful than they used to be? And are you more thankful than you used to be? Yes or no? Yes. No and yes. I got a no and a yes. Let's start with the first one. That's probably the better way to do it, right? So are people more thankful generally than they used to be? I, 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 kind of got, I got a no. Any, anybody want to argue that? So so what might be some reasons people are less thankful? Entitlement. Entitlement? We live in like in an entitlement age? Good. What else? Really easy to compare right now. Okay, really easy to compare. Like like we because because like so so much of our world is visual now and on our and, and Instagram, it's all Instagram was built on comparison, honestly. On comparing your life to other people's lives. What else? Accessibility. Accessibility. What do you mean by that, Mark? Okay, especially at least in our part of the world, right? It's just so much easier. Like we, um, we just—it's it, harder for us to like. Uh, when you don't have to work for something, you tend to not be mo- be as thankful for it as if you've actually really worked for it. Uh, so that's a huge one. Right, okay, so let's uh, get to the next part. So, what about you? Are you more thankful than you used to be? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Yes, I am. yes you are. Why, Jan? I feel like I'm in a cave. By the way, I don't know if it, do I sound like I'm in a cave because I feel like I'm in a cave. Sorry, it's probably my head. That's so great. I don't know if you could hear our, our sister, and if you know her, any of her story, you know that like, like she doesn't have, I mean, there's a lot of things she could be unthankful for, but just this idea of like being back in the church and being with people and just sort of seeing a new perspective on life, and I think, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Like, thankfulness and gratitude really does come down to my brother Jesse's uh, statement that he made years ago, we have a perspective problem. Right, like, like the part of why we, and, and, and even in why the world is less thankful is our perspective is in the wrong place. And in our moments when we are grateful or thankful versus when we're not, it's because our, it, it, it all goes down to where is our perspective? On what are we setting our gaze? Because Because it is so much, harder to be thankful and grateful when you're comparison shopping, when you're, um, when you're thinking about all the things that you're lacking, when you're, when you're having a negative conversation, whether it be in your head or with someone else. It's imp- but at the same time, it's impossible to be thanking and praising God and being grateful for Him, and at the same time be doing those things that I just mentioned. So that's part of why we're in Psalm 138, because the Psalms are like food for our souls. So as I was praying about how can we best prepare to be thankful for, um, for the Thanksgiving week coming up, as we get ready to go into our, our Advent season, I, I, I immediately go to, like, what psalm could we do? And we've done several different psalms throughout our time as a church, even on the week before Thanksgiving, but we have not done Psalm 138. Um, but, but, but the psalms are just like, they, they just they remind us of all that is good and right about God. And and ultimately, a lot like those hymns did, they remind us about all that is good and right, no matter what is going on in our world. It's why our our calling passage, Psalm 100, is such a beautiful thing for us to read. So I'm going to read it again, even though John did read it. But he says, "Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing." Man, you guys sounded so beautiful today, too. Not that the Lord, no. Oh, sorry. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So what I'm hoping happens through our time in the word today is that we would enter his gates with thanksgiving, that we would enter his courts with praise as we leave here. I mean, you've already done it here, and, and, and like John said, we could have just said amen and then moved on to park day, but I, I, God has something for each of us here because part of the, it, it, it's easy to read a psalm like Psalm 100, but then go, yeah, but, but does your soul sing a song? And, and what is that song, what is it? Sometimes there's are songs of lament, like a third of the psalms, and that's okay, this is not, like, being a Christian is not rainbows and unicorns. It's not just some little, like, like everything's happy, happy, joy, joy. But it's, it's being okay in, in the grief, in the hard times. In fact, Psalm 138 is a psalm that David wrote when he was in the thick of it. He was not sitting on the throne. He, wasn't, he didn't have it easy. He wasn't privileged when he wrote this psalm. And yet, he writes about how we are to be thankful for all things because of who God is and that's what this is going to show us because giving thanks with a grateful heart, which is the message today, is hard. I mean it just is for all the reasons we've already mentioned because the world is trying to suck the joy out of our souls and man if, and, and what better time of year than Thanksgiving and Christmas to be reminded of the love, the joy, the peace right that, that, that is? supposed to, that, that is all that is Christ, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Like, like, like if, if, we are to, if we are to be described as something individually and corporately, and we're going to see bits of both individual and corporate um, thankfulness and praise in this psalm, but guys, if, if you want to be praying something specific, how might I be more thankful? How might I be more grateful? How might I show the world a better way? Pray the fruits of the Spirit, There's no no better description of the Christian than love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like, pray those things over and over. Memorize them because the world is full of flesh, and so am I, and so are you. So here's the question. For what can you be grateful no matter what? So no matter what's going on in your life, for what can you be grateful no matter what? And what he's going to show us is, David's going to tell us that we can be grateful for answered prayers, we can be grateful for divine presence, and we can be grateful for promised purpose. And we're going to go through these quickly, um, so please hang on to your seats. We're, only going to, we're going to be in Psalm 138, and then we'll finish our time at the end of Romans 8, and, and we will head off to Park Day after we praise the Lord again. So, God, we, we want to let, I just, I'm just praying, I'm going to pray right now. Lord, I pray that your, that your word would nourish our souls, that this is soul food, and our souls need to soak in you. So, so remove the distractions from, what is, from, from all that is waiting for us out there, and let us just be. Let us just be in your presence, in Jesus' name. Amen. So so for what can you be truly grateful no matter what? Well, the first thing is you can be truly grateful for answered prayer. So look at uh, the first few verses of Psalm 138. He says, I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods, I sing your praise. The gods, there's a lot of discussion about what the gods, the gods were probably just the, 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 de, um, the deities of, of the pagan nations around them because everybody but the Israelites were polytheists. So there were a lot of little G gods out there in the world. He says, I bow down toward your holy temple. I give thanks to your name. For your steadfast love, for your faithfulness, for you have, exa- you, have, you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Guys, where is David's gaze? What is he looking at? God. Look at, look at what he says. It's your temple. It's your name. It's your steadfast love. It's your faithfulness. It's your exalted above all things. Because of your, you've exalted above all things, your name and your word. Guys, it's it's this beautiful. I mean, he is, he is fixing his gaze upward. It's what we talked about the last few weeks as we wrapped up our, our as we finished up our, our Matthew series for the season. Now look at verse 3. On the day I called you answered me. My strength and my soul have increased. Guys, this is David saying, on the day I called out to you, you saved me. Now, whether that salvation is for the first time for you to call out to Christ and say, Lord, save me like it was when I was 24 years old, or whether it's some, whether it's now that you are saved but you're just in a desperate spot, you've either put yourself there or the world has put you there or everything in between or you just feel like you're there and you cry out to God. I love how, I don't remember who it was but we, um, I think Jeff said something about like when, when Jesus spread his arms out on the cross and he said, come to me, that he never will leave us or forsake us as Jamie prayed. Like he, it's this, he, there is never a time where you say, Lord, I'm calling to you and he does this. Never. I know sometimes it can feel that way because sometimes he's waiting so that you'll wait on him. His answers aren't always immediate from our perspective, but they are immediate from his perspective. So he's saying, he's saying like the biggest answer to David's prayer that he can thank God for is his salvation. And is that true for you and for me? Guys, if all you have in the world is Jesus, Is he enough, guys? If all—and I'm putting it in air quotes for those that are listening online or uh, to the podcast later—for if all Jesus did for you is save you from eternal separation from God, could you still give thanks in everything? Like if he doesn't ever give you another thing, if he doesn't ever off—if if, if, if your circumstances just fall off the, the, the end of the world. Can you say, but he saved me. On the day I called out, you answered and you strengthened my soul. Guys, that's the, that's the answered prayer we need, to be, we need to not only be most thankful for, but we just need to be continually thankful for. If all Jesus did is save you, we have more, we have abundantly beyond all we could ask or think to be, to be thankful for. But we have tied our thankfulness, we have tied our gratitude to our circumstances, to our current life situation. And what the Psalms, what David is telling us is here and what the Word is always telling us is our thankfulness, our gratitude is set in the heavenlies. It sets, it's set beyond us. And if we would just keep that perspective, it would make all the difference. Look at your second talking points question. It says, do you remember how you felt when you got saved? Or maybe a season of unparalleled spiritual growth in Christ. What words would you use to describe it? So if you remember, like when you first got when you first came to faith in Christ, or you remember, um, or maybe there's a season of your life where you're just like, man, this was a time where the Lord, where I was so in step with the Spirit, like I, I just sensed His presence all the time. How would you describe those things? Fulfilled, Fulfilled. good, Bob. Fulfilled, like <gasps> there he is. I can breathe. What? Free. Freeing or free. Good. What else? Relieved. Relieved. Amazed. Amazed overwhelmed what do you mean by that michelle the overwhelming so of of the over overwhelmed by god awesome awesome because do you you understand like where that question's going and for everybody i just ask you to stop and think about like if just take a minute right now because you probably won't have make space in your life after we leave here and just think like remember a time remember a season guys, okay, so here's the secret to living gratefully. Here's the secret to living thankfully. Here's where our joy-based living comes from. Living like that. Whatever those descriptors are, whatever that time was, go, it's, what, it's what Jesus says to the church in, in Ephesus. He says, but, he says, you're doing all the stuff. You're wearing yourself out. But this I have against you. You've lost your first love. So then he says, so here's the solution. Repent. Realize that you're just wearing yourself out, but you've lost the reason that you're doing it. Your love for me. And and go back and do the deeds you did at first. Go back and and enter back into those spaces that allowed you to feel that, that overwhelming presence of God. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're going, I've never had that feeling. I've never experienced that. Guys, first of all, cry out to him. He will not hold you off but also talk to somebody. Talk to me. Talk to one of the leaders. Talk to our wives. Talk to the person sitting next to you. There's not a person in this church that wouldn't love to tell you how to find that space because he is real. Guys, we have this idea. This, this, is, this has been like so convicting to my spirit, but we have this idea that thankfulness and gratitude are downstream of joy and happiness. So, what I mean by that is when my life, when, when the circumstances of my life are, are are happy, when I'm feeling joy because of what's going on, like a joyous time in my life, then I can be grateful and thankful. And that may, I understand why do we think that? Because it makes sense. Is it surely easier to be grateful and thankful when life is going well? Yeah although our tendency and if you see like this whole story is about God's people that every time that life gets really good for them i.e. the church in America they drift from God that's that's the whole story of the bible that's the whole story of God's people it's this constant story of them drifting him waking them back up them drifting him waking them back up but guys the the reason it's the, the problem is, so back to just gratefulness and thankfulness, the problem is we have it completely backwards biblically. We think, Lord, I will be thankful as soon as, we, we might not say this out loud, we might not even be brave enough to say it in, in loud, but, but we're thinking somewhere in our subconscious, Lord, when once you fix this, then I'll be Thankful. Then I'll be joyful. Then I can be full of the fruit of the Spirit that Doug was talking about a few minutes ago. But the Bible says it's completely the other way around. He says, by the, only by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to choose to be grateful, to choose to be thankful. And when we do that, in that moment where I can go, consider it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you're experiencing various trials, when I can do the 1 Thessalonians 5 thing of pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. In that moment, when I choose to give thanks because I, I'm trusting in a sovereign God, I will find my joy. Why? Because what did that do to my gaze? When I stopped and I turned it upwards. When I, st- I give thanks to all, by, by definition, I'm now looking in a better place. That's why, we, that's why gratitude and thanksgiving are upstream. They happen first, and then we can be happy and joyful. We can have the happy, happy, joy, joy life that we're looking for. When we train ourselves to be grateful and thankful in all circumstances. So that's our first thing that David tells us. For what can we be grateful no matter what? Answered prayer. The second is divine presence. The second is divine presence. Look at what he says in verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. Now, that idea of all that could be like, wait a minute, half the world denies his existence. So this could be referring to the promise from, um, like he's going back to the promise of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, when, when, when God says in Genesis 12, 3, that through you, through the seed, through the, the promise that uh, that ends up being Christ. We've talked about that a lot. That that through that all the nations or all the actually the, it's the word family that all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So it could be that he's pulling that promise from 2100 BC over up to 1000 BC when David wrote the Psalms, and so are the Psalms that he wrote. And so there's so it could be that he's pulling that promise forward. It could be that he's that he's even even in another Psalm that he wrote in um in Psalm 22. It's the My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? psalm often we don't get to the end of that psalm but in verse 27 of that psalm he says all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you so he could, when he says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, he could be referring to that. Or he could even be referring, so in the present tense, in the, his present tense, and frankly, even in our present tense. But he could also be referring to the, 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 the what is yet to come, because we're those people that are stuck in the already finished, it is finished, but not yet done of Revelation chapter 22 that we're going to look at next week. And he says that, so he could be talking about like the Revelation 5, that, that, that people from every tribe and tongue and nation will gather and give thanks. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people on, and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So he could be talking about that. But he could also, if you keep going, um, in verse 5, he says, And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of God. So that's actually worship. Not just saying, but that's actually worship. Well, what he could be referring to there, and somebody prayed it during our prayer time, he could be referring to the Philippians 2, 10, and 11. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess. Now, that might be unwillingly at that point, but he could be like fast-forwarding to that even. But look at verse 6. Because this is really, I think, the heart of this section. For the Lord is high. For though the Lord is high, so though the Lord is exalted, though the Lord is holy, the Lord is, is above all things. He regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Okay, salvation Comes to the lowly. That's the story of the gospel. That's what we're going to be looking at when we get, when we, next week we're going to start our, our wonder series of, the, of Advent. And guys, we're going to, we're going to look at, at the wonder of salvation through people like Anna and um, Simeon and through Mary and through Joseph. Because all of those people were nothing burgers in the sight of the world. They were nothing. And God made them highly exalted. How do you get to be any more exalted than carrying the Savior of the world in your womb? And she was a peasant girl from nowhere with nothing. That's who he is. It's what we've seen in Matthew 5. What did Jesus start his ministry saying? Blessed are those who mourn over their sin, who are broken. Blessed are the meek or the humble, because they're gonna inherit the earth. All the way back here. Jesus said that when he, when he was here in like 30, 30 AD. This is all the way back a thousand years before that. David's saying, For the Lord is, for though the Lord is high, it's the lowly he regards. But the haughty are far off. Guys, I I love how. Mary understood that. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Because when you read what we call the Magnificent, or Mary's song in Luke chapter 1, she says it this way, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God and Savior. For he, now this is before he's born, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all the generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Guys, for what can we be grateful no matter what? For the presence of the living God. John said it, like the, that. he started our prayer time with the, the, the living God lives in us. You know, we were talking about, um, I, I remember, I think it was in our, in, in our shepherding class in the training center, we were talking about how, because we started out in the this, in this scene in, in the time of Moses, when Moses is, um, when, the, when the people are grumbling about not having food, and, and all, the, all they have is this manna to eat. So every day, all that God is doing is miraculously feeding two million people. And, and they're grumbling and complaining. And, and they will all, remember back when we were slaves in Egypt and we had the good life? And he's like, Really? Like like Moses is like and, and so and God's going really, you want to go back to slavery? So he says you want some meat? I'll give you so much quail. And he literally says you're going to choke on it. It's going to come out of your nostrils. Now part of that though is we look and we go. So we were talking in the class and we're going. So 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 what's so wrong? like what's what's the problem? Because our tendency is to go yeah, but they had a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And yet, the people are grumbling, and Moses is losing his mind. Moses is actually complaining to God, just like you and I would, just like you and I do, and going, What, did I give birth to all these people? Why are you putting all this on me, God? Like, I don't want to deal with this mess. And God's going, Well, wait a minute. Moses, you're a mess. People, you're a mess. And they had the presence of God. Now, we look and we go, oh, what would it mean? And, and we actually, people will say, like in, in, in class, they'll say, yeah, but if I had a pillar of fire, it, man, then I, I would, man, I could, I could live thankfully. I could live gratefully. I could, but guys, we have the pillar of fire. He's in us, right? Moses is going to say to you someday, if this is the way heaven works, and I doubt it is. But if it is, Moses is going to say to you, what was it like, Stephanie, to have the, the fire of the living God indwell you? And he talked to God face to face like no man who's ever existed. And even he's going to be like, that must have been amazing. And we walk around here in this, like, Eeyore, nah, man, it's just so hard, and I don't even have anything, no, and God has just left me, and, and, and I, I, I'm, I, for, we don't do that, you, none of you do that, I do that, I do that. Like, we, we live such feeble faith lives, when our, when, when God is like, man, my dwelling presence is with you. So look at your last talking points question, and I told you we're going through these fairly quick. It says, do you sometimes feel forgotten by God? You're not alone, guys. I mean, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm not going to ask you to, um, to, to answer that question, that part of the question out loud or anything. Because the answer is, guys, at, I, don't, I have yet to meet the person that doesn't at some point get to that place. Now, I think, I think often God puts us in that place. Because it's in that place, it's when we're in the den of the lion, and God shows up, that your faith becomes the faith of Daniel, right? And so, so we're looking, we're going, so, so, God, so part of it is how do we respond? It's one of your D group questions in your, on your insert, but it's, it's like how do we respond in those den times, right? Because, because we all have those. It would have been so easy for Daniel to have despaired in that moment, to have gone, you know what, this is it. All right, here we go. Going to get eaten, and he didn't. And his God showed up and his faith was strengthened. It's, it's, it's the idea what we talked about last week, about when, G- when Jesus talks about do not worry, don't be anxious. The key to that is remembering that God, you have to believe that God cares. We talked about that last Sunday. If you don't believe that God cares, then you're going to walk around really worried. But what this is showing us, what this passage is telling us, what we're going to see in the last point is God really does care. And he will fulfill his purpose for you. So how do we encourage one another against the most dam- this most damning, and I'm using that word on purpose, this most damning lie of the enemy? Guys, how do we encourage one another? Because all of us are in those moments, have those moments of feeling like we're forgotten by God. So how do we encourage each other? John 6 and 10. John 6 and 10. Why does that encourage you, Adam? Because it says that no one can snatch me out of his hand, and he, he will keep me. All right, so it says no one can snatch him out of his hand, and he will keep me. He is the good shepherd. And he will not lose one, is what he says in John ten. Good. What else? Don't forget people. What do you mean by that, Jeff? Don't forget people. Reach out to people. Mm. Just text them, talk to them, call them. Mm. If you don't get a text, a call, or reach out back, it's okay because you were meant to reach out to them. That Good. Yeah. Like, like, be praying. Just as you get, when you're in the car, just ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, put put somebody on my heart right now. And if He does and I won't do it right now because it would probably do it, but hey, whatever, or hey, Google, or whatever your thing is, send a text to Marcus saying this. Like, it's that easy nowadays. Like, speaking, now, better, call them so they can hear your voice. Better, if you have time, you know, for, for, for a smaller group of people, go have coffee with them. Because we have got to get better at speaking these words of life over one another. Right? We have got, hey, remember God is good. Hey, remember God is, it's it's why why you're all here today. It's why I'm here today. It's because I need to be in this space, not to stand up here and teach. I need to be here in this space so I can be with you. Because when you're singing, and you're praying, and you're just being together in fellowship, and when we're hanging out at a park in a couple hours, and we're having fun together, you remind me of all that is good about God. And then the rest of my week happens. And it's so easy to forget. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Which brings us to our last point. It says, for what can we be grateful no matter what? Answered prayer, divine presence, and then the last thing is promised purpose. And I love where, where David goes because I mean, if, if you know anything about the life of David, if you don't know anything about the life of David, I would I just really encourage you to read about read up on his life. Charles Swindoll wrote a book years ago about the life of David that is exceptionally good. David was a mess of a man, and and not and, yeah we all you know how'd you love to have your sins like recorded for not just human history but all of eternity, right? But I'm not even talking about that. Like he was way more of a mess. Like like one of his one of his lesser sins was adultery. Right? Like, like, we wouldn't let David be an elder in our church. Just let that sink in for a minute. He was so messed up. Emotionally, relationally. We wouldn't let him be an elder at Cross-Train Church. And he is a man after God's own heart. And that's why when I read this, I go, like, this is not theology to him. This is experiential. So he says, though I walk in the midst of trouble. So you see, this is why he's in a rough time. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you, God, preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. And the right hand is the hand of power. It's Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. Surely I will help you. Sure, this is God speaking. Surely I will strengthen you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He's saying, I, no matter what is going on, and, and this was at a really dark time in the nation of Israel, and he's saying, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel like it's all crashing down, If my right hand has a hold of you, there is nothing the enemy can do to you that really matters. I get that it never feels like that when you're in the midst of it. But guys, get remember the Philippians 1 promise. He who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1:6. Write it down. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Jesus never gives up on a project. He's, he's not into half-done home remodels. He always finishes what he starts. Always. That's true for you, it's true for his church, and it's true for all of creation. And we will see that next week when we look at God's story from beginning to end and, and wonder at the wonder that is God. Guys, but, but we, again, we get so caught up in our circumstance that, that we start going, my world is falling apart because often it feels like it is or often it even looks like it is. And yet God is always, Jesus is always playing the long game. If he was a golfer, he would only have a driver in his bag. He wouldn't, he'd be like, what do I do with a putter? Like, that's just so short term. Like, I only play the long game of golf. I only play the long game of life. That's it. Because he's like, I'm in this. He is not... I know this doesn't sound very uplifting but we need to it sh- you should make it uplifting in your spirit. God is not as interested, Jesus is not as interested in your per- in your temporal, temporary happiness as he is in your eternal holiness because he knows how long eternity is. That's what really matters. And we make everything, we make so much of our lives so much about today. So, back to Jesse's point. So how, so, how can we be grateful no matter what? Guys, we have a perspective problem. We've got to fix our gaze in the right place. We've got to remember who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done, what he said he's going to do, what just the, the amount of love that he has shown to the world by dying on a cross as the music team comes back up and we're gonna close with a couple of praise songs and then we're gonna head on out and praise the Lord some more, I just wanna point out a couple of quick things about, so how do we cultivate that perspective? Well, here one, stop comparison shopping, right? Social media is horrible with this. Discontent and envy of others will suck the joy out of your life. Two, remember what God has blessed us with, salvation. If, if, if all that's going right in your life right now is salvation, that's a big all right? Third, replace worry with thanks. We talked last week, anxiousness is a fruit killer. And the last thing is, celebrate God's mercies and grace. Re- train your mind to remember who God is and what he's done. So with that, I'm going to have you turn one more place, and we're going to close our time with this. Turn to the right of where we are and go to Romans chapter 8. And, I, and man, I want you to, like, I, it, like, like Dog ear your Bible so that this passage opens up and you read it to yourself over and over and over again over the next few weeks. Because this is our reality as Christians. Romans 8, starting in verse 31. He says, what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also graciously give us all things? Man, he gave us his most prized possession. Why do we think God's stingy? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that... He was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? There's that power again. Who indeed intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall just tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, a fight with my wife, financial struggles, um, an addiction to, to some substance or pornography, shall any of those things separate me from the love of Christ? The answer is no, for it is written we're being killed all day long, and we're being regarded as sheep being led to the slaughter. But no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, for I am sure And this is Paul right after he got done beating himself up for a whole chapter in chapter 7. For this, I am sure of this that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, nor things to come, nor powers, nor anything, anywhere, ever, at any time, no matter what, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you want to be grateful? Do you want to practice thankfulness? like this season? Do you just want to live in the joy and the hope and the peace and the love that Christmas remind, is supposed to remind us of? Then set your heart on these things. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for um, the truth of your word. I thank you for, the, um, for, the, rea- for the, the reality that it shows that men like the Apostle Paul, that men like David, the mighty man of faith, struggled so mightily that life is hard the doubts are real but all of that is because we just we just spend so much time looking at the wrong stuff filling our minds with the wrong things but the answer isn't to put those things away as much as it is to fix our gaze on Jesus the initiator and the completer of our faith I love that. You will finish what you've started. So even if there's nothing else going right in our lives today, if we are in Christ, we have everything. In Jesus' name, amen.